Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the wickedness of Manasseh as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. He caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. So the same thing that Ahaz, his grandfather, had done. Also, he observed times, enchantments, used witchcraft, dealt with familiar spirits, with wizards, and he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. These things that he did as far as the enchantments, witchcraft, familiar spirits, wizards, these are the things that Isaiah speaks out against when they're Calamity came, and Isaiah was put to death, actually, by Manasseh. And at the time of Manasseh's doing all these things, the judgment of Babylon was predicted. Isaiah said, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, stargazers, monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. So these are the things that Manasseh did. He started following after his horoscope and astrologers and all of these people. And, of course, it might be good until you're really in trouble and then it's no help at all. So he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers so that they take heed to do all that I have commanded them. But here he is disobeying. Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to the people, but they would not hearken. God spoke. They would not hearken. And of course, in the 36th chapter, God said, I sent the messengers and all, but they would not hearken. They mocked them. Wherefore, and of course, Manasseh ordered Isaiah, sawed in two. Just stretched him out and took a saw and cut him right in two. Wherefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, bound him with fetters, carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that Jehovah was God. So Manasseh had a conversion experience. It was a, a tough way. He was taken captive by the king of Assyria who drug him through the thorns, gave him a rough time, brought him as a captive to Babylon. And while he was there, He began to call out upon God. And, of course, God is so good. God was merciful. God heard his prayer, and God brought him back again to Jerusalem. And from that time on, Manasseh was a changed man. But he was not able to undo the folly of his earlier years. He did start bringing about spiritual reforms, He took away the strange gods and the idols out of the house of the Lord and the altars that he had built. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed there on the peace offerings, thank offerings, and so forth. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places unto the Lord their God only. So there was a, a partial return unto God. 
At his death, his son Ammon began to reign. And Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for only two years. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, even as his father Manasseh, for he sacrificed unto all of the carved images which Manasseh, his father, had made and served them, which means that Manasseh didn't get rid of them all. He humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. And so his son, Josiah, began to reign. Josiah was only eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. Josiah instituted reformations. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he be, which means he was 16 years old, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So eight years old when he started to reign. By the time he was 16, he started seeking the Lord. By the time he was 20, he began to purge the land of the false images. When he was 21 years old, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. And so now you're into the period of Jeremiah. For in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet, calling Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was about 17 years old when uh, the word of the Lord came to him. So it means that he was about four years difference between Jeremiah and Josiah, this king. And uh, Josiah did institute spiritual reforms among the people. And yet, Jeremiah, the prophet of God at this time, could see that the spiritual reforms were only surface reforms. Uh, it was only because the king was uh, serving God that the people followed, but not with their whole hearts. And Jeremiah cried out against the superficiality of their conversion and of their worship of God. Uh, declaring that they, they had only turned, you know, in a surface way, but not with all of their hearts to the Lord. So Jeremiah, if you can remember now this period of history, when you get to Jeremiah, you'll really understand the prophecy of Jeremiah so much better because Jeremiah began his prophecy right at this point of the purging of, of Jerusalem and the reestablishing of the temple worship and so forth by Josiah, that's when Jeremiah began his period of prophecy and he prophesied through the rest of the history of the nation prior to the Babylonian captivity. So from 2 Chronicles here on is the period of Jeremiah's ministry. So he broke down the altars of Balaam the images, he cut down the groves, he burnt the bones of the priest and their altars. And so he did up in the cities of the north, in Ephraim, Simeon, Naphtali. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves, he had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down the idols throughout all the land of Israel. He returned to Jerusalem. And he began the repairing of the temple in the 18th year of his reign. After he had purged the land, Jeremiah had now been prophesying for five years. They sent out the message to repair the temple. They hired the workmen to come in and to begin to restore the building that had fallen into great disrepair under his father Ammon and his grandfather Manasseh. 
Now, as they were cleaning out the temple, they found a book of the law of the Lord, one of the scrolls upon which the law of God was written. And the priest brought it out to Josiah, and he began to read to him out of this scroll. And as he read to him, and of course, no doubt the portion of Deuteronomy really got to him, where God pronounced the curses that would come upon the people should they turn away from God. And Josiah cried out and he said, Oh, this is terrible. He realized that because of the iniquity and the sin of these people who have been called by God to be a special people, and because of their failure, and these are the curses God said that I will bring upon the land. And so when they read this scroll to Josiah, it came to pass when he heard the words that he tore his clothes. And he said, Inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do all that is written in this book. And so they came to Huldah, the prophetess, who was there in the College of Prophets in Jerusalem. And she said, yes, the nation was going to fall, but that it would not fall during the reign of Josiah because of his righteousness and turning unto the Lord. And so he was promised that he would be brought to the grave in peace. So then he had the law of the Lord read to the people. And he read in their ears all of the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place, and he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul and to perform the words of the covenant which are written in the book. And Josiah took away all of the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children of Israel. He made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. And then he instituted a tremendous Passover that even superseded that of his great grandfather's Hezekiah. In fact, there was no Passover in all of the land as great as this one since the time of Samuel. Now, in Hezekiah, he had the biggest ones from Solomon, but Josiah even superseded those of Solomon and David's period. Nothing like this since the time of Samuel. The death of Josiah is declared in the latter part of the uh, chapter 35, and what had happened is that the king of Egypt had come into the land and was fighting up in the area of Megiddo, and Josiah went up against him, and, and the king said, Hey, God has sent me uh, to be an instrument here of judgment. Now, just don't meddle around. Go on back to Jerusalem and dwell there, and don't meddle around, because I haven't come to fight you, and I have no grudge against you, but I'm, I've been sent by God to destroy this place. And so Josiah, rather than listening to the advice of Necho, the pharaoh from Egypt, he decided that he would get into battle and uh, he disguised himself, got into the fight, and one of the archers hit him. And uh, he changed chariots and headed back to Jerusalem. But he died of the wounds that were inflicted. So it would seem that perhaps a premature death from meddling around in a place where he shouldn't be. And uh, because uh, God had sent 
the Pharaoh up there for this particular mission. So Jerusalem lamented for Josiah. And Jeremiah also wrote a lamentation for him, not the lamentation that we have in the Bible, but uh, there is a reference perhaps to Josiah in the book of Lamentations. But, of course, the verse 20 of chapter 4, The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was taken in their pits, of whom we said, Under his shadow shall we live among the heathen. Uh, but uh, a little vague. Now, at his death, Jehoiahaz began to reign. He was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for only three months in Jerusalem. And the king of Egypt came up, conquered him, and took him back as a captive to Egypt and made Eliakim, his brother, the king over Judah and Jerusalem, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 11 years. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. And against him came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar sent upon the throne a vassal king, Jehoiachin, who was only eight years old and he reigned only for three months and ten days and did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now that's <laughs> for an eight-year-old kid who only reigned for three months. That's pretty bad. Uh, and when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the goodly vessels of the house of the Lord, and he made Zedekiah his brother, the king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 11 years. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. In fact, Zedekiah had Jeremiah thrown in the dungeon. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God that but he stiffened his neck, and he hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all of the chief priests, the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen, polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God. They despised his word and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought them upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon the young man or maid, an old man or him who stooped for age, he gave them all into his hand. And all of the vessels of the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and the princes, all of these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burnt the palaces with fire, destroyed the beautiful vessels. And all of them that had escaped from the sword were carried away captive to Babylon, where they were the servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill the threescore and ten years. Israel had existed for 490 years in the land which God had given unto them. Now, 
They were commanded in the law of Moses that, to let the land rest every seven years. They were to plant the land. They were to cycle their crops six years. They were to plant the seventh year. They weren't to plant. They, just that which grew up by itself, they were to eat, eat it, but they weren't to plant anything. Just let the land rest in the seventh year. Now, they failed to do that. They didn't obey the commandment of God, the law of God. So when God brought them into captivity, he said, because they have not obeyed for the 490 years, the Sabbath law, but have planted the land year after year, I will allow the land to lie desolate for 70 years because there are seven, 70 Sabbaths that were missed by the land. And so God said, I'll just let the land lie for 70 years in order that the land might have its Sabbaths that it missed while the people were living there because they disobeyed the law of the Lord. Here we find the captivity, the end of the nation, and the beginning of what the scriptures call the time of the Gentiles from a biblical kind of a standpoint. The time of the Gentile reign, beginning with Babylon and the Babylonian kingdom, which will move to the Medo-Persian kingdom, which will move to the Grecian kingdom, which will move to the Roman Empire, which finally will move into a Ten-nation federation in the last days. Ten-nation European federation, which we see taking place today. But it is interesting that God, in declaring, first of all, his love, and because he loved them, he sent his prophets, but they wouldn't listen. They mocked the prophets. They despised the word of God. They misused the prophets of God. And therefore... The judgment was sealed by themselves. God withdrew his hand of protection. God withdrew his hand of blessing. And judgment came. What lessons there are for us to learn. If you forsake the Lord, the prophet said, you will be forsaken by the Lord. They forsook God. They were forsaken by God and are now carried away captive. Whenever they worship God, whenever they serve the Lord, they were strong. God made them strong. God gave them victory over their enemies. They dwelt safely in the land. The land prospered. Whenever they turned their backs on God, their enemies were victorious against them. They were oppressed by their enemies. And it was a time of national weakness and decline. Lessons that we need to pay close attention to in this day in which we live, as we too have enjoyed the benefits in a nation, living in a nation, where God was placed by the founding fathers at the heart of the national life. But even as they forsook God, so have we forsaken God. 
And we cannot long exist without God's help. We dare not to think of ourselves ever as independent from God. And our nation is in serious trouble tonight. Our leaders are beginning to tell us more and more about how serious that danger is. May God help us if it is not already too late to turn to God with all of our hearts. Now, the last two verses of this chapter are the same as the first two verses of the book of Ezra. So there is a definite tie between 2 Chronicles and Ezra. Ezra begins when they, after the 70 years of captivity, as they come back into the land, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah cover this period of the rebuilding of the temple after the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Ezra on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 33-36 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. Fill your heart with love. Fill your heart with praise. Fill your heart with God's Spirit that He might work in you, bringing you into the image of Christ, helping you to be what God wants you to be, a true representation of Him before this poor, sad, sin-cursed world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that He can use to accomplish His purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. 
He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.